Well, this has been a special day. It's been a day for the Cords and Van Groningen families to give thanks to the Lord, to celebrate His kindness, His faithfulness to the generations of their families. But I hope that it's also been a day where you too can affirm that the Lord has also been kind and faithful to you as well. It's good and it's right for us to praise and to thank the Lord for His faithfulness to the generations. It's good and it's right for us to, to thank the Lord for the way that He's been faithful to generations past. And we thank Him for the ways that He's faithful also for our generation as well. And because God has been faithful in the past, we look forward to seeing Him be faithful in the present and the future. Because as we've been reminded of on several occasions today already, He is from everlasting to everlasting. He's the God of the generations. Our, our sermon passage speaks to these truths. For our sermon message today, we're going to look at Psalm 145. And I'll invite you to turn to that now. You can find that in the Pew Bible on page 524. And now I'll invite Esther's mother and grandmother to Curry and Winfrey, Laura. And she will now come and read that passage to us, encouraging us to embrace this God in faithfulness, the one who has been so faithful to us. So Laura, please. Righteous in all his work, in all his ways, and kind in all his 
He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Thank you, Lord. Pray with me again, please. Lord God, you are like no other. You are unequaled. Unequaled in power, unequaled in grace and mercy. Lord, grow our understanding, our appreciation, our devotion, and our praise for you. Lord, this is our prayer. Amen. Well, this is a psalm of praise. This is the last psalm of David that's given to us in the psalms. How appropriate it is that David's last words to us would be an encouragement to us that we would praise God. Because praise, in many ways, defined David's life. He was a man who lived to give praise to his God. And friends, that should be a goal for every one of us as well. That we would live so that we would give praise to God. David's message to us is, because God is faithful to the generations, it's good and right for the generations to praise him. In the psalm, David gives us a multitude of reasons of why we should praise the Lord. He says, first, that we should praise the Lord because of his greatness. In verses 1 through 3, David says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. It's God's greatness that leads David to praise him. And that should lead us to praise him as well. You see, our praise is a consequence of our view of God. If we have a high view of God, that'll move us to a high praise of God. If we're truly convinced that the Lord is great, that will move us to great praise. But if we have a low view of God, that'll result in a low worship of God in our lives. So in a way, our worship can serve as a kind of diagnostic test. If we don't find ourselves making much of God, that tells us that, that our theology of God, our, our understanding of God is somewhat deficient, showing us perhaps that our hearts have grown cold towards him. And what might be the remedy for that? Well, this psalm will tell us that. Reflecting upon God's character, reflecting upon God's mighty deeds, leads us into worship of Him. In short, these first verses of the psalm show us that great thoughts of God lead us to great praise of God. 
And notice that David's call for us to praise God isn't just an occasional praise, but it's in a spirit of continual praise. He says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. And notice also that the kind of praise that David calls his people to isn't just an individualistic praise, but it's a communal praise. It's a praise that's done among God's people and among the generations. And there's a purpose behind that. And that purpose is that that as one person in a community of faith, as one person sees another person give glory to God, that leads that observer to worship the Lord as well. That's just yet another reason for the benefit and the necessity of regularly participating in corporate worship, doing that each Lord's Day. As we gather together as God's people, we encourage one another. We encourage one another to to keep on keeping on in the Christian walk. On those days when maybe I'm feeling low, you lift me up as I watch you worship the Lord. And on days when you might be feeling low, I pray that I and your brothers and sisters in Christ might lift you up. As David prescribes for us in verses 4 through 7, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. And that's what we've had the pleasure of witnessing here this morning. As Esther's mom and dad and Josh's mom and dad have commended the Lord, praising him to their children and their grandchildren. Do you do that for your children, for your grandchildren? Children, do you do that for the sake of your parents? or for your grandparents, or even your siblings. For the people of this church younger than you, do you praise the Lord to older saints? And the question for us is, will we continue to do that? Will we consistently do that for the subsequent generations? For the generations to come? Do we, will we declare the mighty deeds of the Lord and commend his works to the next generations? Will we show others what it looks like to walk in relationship with the Lord for a lifetime? May the Lord be pleased to accomplish that in our lives. And to all you younger people who are here today. This is a question and encouragement, a a challenge and an invitation that I make to you. Will you do this? Will you do this for the sake of others? Will you embrace the Lord? Yes, for yourself, but also for the sake of others, because others are watching and others need to learn about this God 
whom your parents have faithfully told you about? Will you take your place in leading others to the Lord? In leading others in the praise of Him? I praise that you will because we need you young people. And future generations need you. The church of the future needs you. You have had the benefits, young people, of having gray-haired people encourage you in the faith and lead the church. Will you take your place in doing that as that mantle is, is, is that baton is passed from one generation to the next? David tells us that we should praise the Lord because of his greatness. We should also praise the Lord because of his covenantal mercy. And we see that in verses 8 and 9, where David tells us, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he's made. And if those words sound familiar to you, it's because they're very similar to the words that the Lord spoke to Moses when he initiated the Mosaic Covenant at Mount Sinai in Exodus 34, where the Lord said, I am the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for a thousand generations, forgiving inequity and transgression and sin it's good and it's right for the generations to praise the lord because of his greatness it's also good and right for the lord to be praised because of his covenantal mercy and of course god's covenantal mercy is shown forth to us most clearly through the gift of his son jesus who's our covenantal head And who's perfectly fulfilled the demands of the covenant, reconciling us to the Father. The Father put his Son forward to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And he did this out of his covenantal love and mercy. 1 John 4.10, this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And Scripture tells us that that there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved than the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate the covenantal love and mercy of the Father in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But we have to also remember how that passage continues. John 3, 17 and 18. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Both our call to confession this morning from Psalm 1 and verse 20 from Psalm 145 tell us the same thing. And that is that the wicked will not be able to stand in the day of judgment. 
Psalm 145, verse 20. The wicked he will destroy. But thanks be to God, do you notice that that same verse says that the Lord preserves all those who love him. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus Christ came to give his life as a ransom to save us from the penalty that we deserve because of our sinfulness. We can't stand before the Lord because of our unrighteousness. But if we'll humble ourselves and accept that free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, his perfect righteousness is counted as ours. And because of that, and only that, we're then able to escape that penalty for our sins and be accepted by the Father and to be preserved by him rather than being destroyed. It's also good and right for the generations to praise the Lord because of his kingly reign. And we see that in verses 10 through 13. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. It's good and it's right for the generations to give praise to the Lord because he is king over all. And in the pages of Scripture that follow this psalm, we learn that it's the Lord Jesus Christ who is this forever King of God's forever kingdom. And because Jesus is our King, He deserves our allegiance. Is that what you give Him? Do you give Christ the obedience and the submission that He rightly deserves? If you don't, if we fail to give that to him, then we're also failing to praise him in the manner in which we're called to do in the psalm. Friends, do the generations a favor. Help them to understand that for Jesus to be our Lord, the proper response of faith is that we would submit to him and do the commands of Scripture which are given to us, given to us to be a blessing. It's also right for the generations to praise the Lord because of his kindness and his nearness and his protection and his provision. We see that in the verses that follow. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to those who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. 
and let all flesh bless His holy name forever and ever. Friends, I want to encourage us all to adopt the words of this psalm as a vision, as a calling for your life. That, that every day you would bless and praise the name of the Lord forever and ever. That you, that we all would commend His mighty works to others, to the generations of your family, to the generations of this church, to the generations of the communities in which we live in. Friends, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Pray with me again. Lord God, that's what we do. We praise you. We bless your name. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your kindness, your faithfulness to the Cords and the Van Groningen families. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, your kindness to us all. We give thanks to you. We praise you. We bless your name because of your greatness and because of your covenantal faithfulness and mercy, your kingly reign, because of your kindness and your nearness. Lord God, we thank you that you are the God who delights to draw near to your people. Draw near to us again this day, Lord, we pray. And we can expect to see you do that because you are Emmanuel, the God who drew near, our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we worship you. We praise your name. May we do that forever and ever in this life and in the life to come. And in doing so, may our desires be satisfied. Amen.